0: Biz Tools Podcast Episode Fifty One.
1: Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast: Practical Advice for Today's Busy Business Leader. And now your hosts, David Speck and Jerry Frenchess.
2: Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast.
0: (laughs) And welcome to Cohab. Hello, Cohab.
2: As you can uh, hear, we are alive at Cohab. Alive. We're Uh (laughs) live. Alive.
0: Well, that's true, too. That's true.
2: Okay. And we want to thank all of you, the vast hundreds and thousands of people that are here for our <laughs> broadcast to see us. Who's, who's <laughs> snickering? I'm Jerry Fentress. And I'm David Speck. And we are your co-hosts for the Biz Tools podcast. And David, where the heck are we and what are we doing here?
0: <laughs> Welcome to Cohab. We are in downtown Shreveport where we host the Biz Breakfast once a month. And we are reprising one of our more popular biz breakfasts. We had a Q&A Biz Tools podcast several months ago, and we had a lot of great feedback. And so today we are bringing the people back, letting them share their questions. We're going to try to share some answers with them. But one of the greatest things, and I told the crowd this a little bit earlier, I said, it's awesome when you have Q&A, but it's what's even more awesome is when the members of the of the audience come up and help each other and, and share their experiences, because it really goes a long way to really bringing down what, what we were thinking and what we can learn from each other. It's just it's an amazing event. So, so how's this going to work? Well, we're going to turn it over to Sean Green, who has the microphone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, people listening in cyberspace. Hi. And Sean's going to help moderate and, and point out people and, and bring them up to the... Uh, Well, I've heard Rush Limbaugh call the golden EIB mic. I guess that's the uh, silver biz mic up in the front of the the, the room there. So
3: whatever we want it to
0: be. So let's go ahead and get this kicked off, Sean.
3: Okay. Uh, How it's going to work is uh, I'm going to come up, introduce yourself. Uh, These guys will try to help you. People in the crowd will try to help them. I'll bring them a mic or you can come up and just ask us questions, preferably about business. (laughs) Um, so who's who's going to be that first one through the wall? Oh uh, Doctor yeah. Jack. Sure.
0: Doctor Jack Ward. Our I remember. Just into it. Just sit uh, down. Oh, know. he likes the side. Oh, okay. Okay. Doctor Jack.
4: Molly, are you from here? Yeah. So Mo- Molly and I are not from Shreveport. So I'm originally from New Orleans, which is not part of Louisiana, even though a lot of people think it is.
0: <laughs> it's a whole another country.
4: <laughs> and y'all stole our Mardi Gras season, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> was so, that it? So,
2: huh? You're done? No, okay, let's...
4: You know, so I think Molly and I probably suffer from something where we don't understand the Shreveport market. And I have, a, I have a lifestyle medicine practice where my goal is to help people live a healthier life and a longer life. And I was reading a book the other day, The Psychology is Selling, which in it he says that everyone wants to live a healthy life and a long life. And I have a little marketing person who goes out to different people and, you know, tries to explain our business to them. And what she has gotten in response from that is, why do I need to be healthy since I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven anyway? Which gives me a pain. There is no pain point at that. You know, I have to come up with an alternative approach to hitting the pain point.
0: You're absolutely right. And, and and some of what we talked about, you know, I, I kind of gave you a little bit of a, a comeback, although it was a little bit combative. I, I said to to the Christian, if you, if you were going for the Christian market, I, I said something to the effect of, okay, you may make heaven, but you'll be held accountable for everything you do here on the earth. And that God has a plan for each and every person and he expects them to do certain things. And if your lack of health keeps you from doing that, you're going to answer to God and he's going to say, You know, why didn't you do what I told you to do here on the earth? And well, you know, well, my back hurt or my heart was bad or my health was not good. And he said, I gave you the body you needed to do the work because you didn't take care of it is why you didn't get it. And so that was my response. The more I think about it, though, and this is going to play into a lot of people's businesses, your business is not for the masses. Understand that. No matter what your business is, you're not for the masses. And if you try to go after the masses, you're going to fail each and every time because there's just a certain percentage of the marketplace that's never going to get you. There's a book, another Seth Godin book, we, we like talking about those that I just completed called The Purple Cow. And if you haven't read The Purple Cow, I suggest that you go get it immediately or listen to it or, or, or whatever. And in the purple cow, you have to understand with any business, with any product, with any service, there are certain individuals that you can count on and that you should focus on. They're called the early adopters. They're the people who when you look them in the eye and you tell them what you do, they light up. They understand it. They get it. They're 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 amazing at it. And and they really want to get excited about it. The people in this room Oh, when when we started the biz breakfast, y'all were early adopters of the idea of the biz breakfast. Now this may this thing may grow to being huge, but you were the ones that started it. You were the ones that we focused on. You were the ones that we wanted to get in relationship with. Because see, the thing that early adopters do is then they in turn tell others, and they they tell others with enthusiasm. They tell others that you know, hey, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to do this thing. And so you've got to focus in on the people who get you, and then encourage them. We were just in, you were in the sales training a a week ago with Butch Bella. You know, one of the things that he said that is very uncomfortable for me, but it's very doable, and that is asking for the referral, getting that lead in to that next person. Because if you have somebody who is sold on what you do, and then they refer you to somebody else... That person, if they check you out, will get a a positive back on them. But not just that, the referrer may pick up the phone and call that person and pave the way for you. So really concentrate on those people that get it. And don't worry about all those other people that don't get it. The people that get it eventually, and and Godin uses the term sneezers, they're the people that just go sneeze it out to everybody and, 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 and starts talking about it and talking about it and talking about it almost to the point where you get tired of hearing about it. And those are the people that are going to help you grow into the mainstream until those late adopters finally. But there's going to be early adopters, late adopters, and there's going to be no adopters. And the largest percent of the population is going to be the no adopter. And if you continue to look at the no adopter or look at the market as a whole as your potential market, you're going to be frustrated, and, and you're never going to gain traction.
4: I can appreciate that. So, so I think the issue for uh, I'm going to use Molly again. Molly and I is <laughs> is um somebody found me on the internet not even on my website mm-hmm. some from some other site and she kind of got it so i have a little bit i have a small tribe okay mm-hmm. so the issue is for me being in shreveport and not really being here and even though i've been here for 25 years i don't understand the culture yet <laughs> is my entire tribe is outside of shreveport i don't have any tribal members in Shreveport, mm-hmm. so so for me, it's like I'm to the point where it's like I don't care about Shreveport. Shreveport can you know go to God and stand before Him and go, okay, we didn't do any- what we were supposed to do. But I mean, I I pretty much my New Year's resolution was I'm done with Shreveport, which is an unfortunate thing, but. I I don't care about Shreveport anymore. Well, you know, Dr. Jack, one of the things that we
3: talked about with with the biz tools is, you know, maybe our market isn't so much Shreveport. Maybe our market is everywhere else. Maybe our market is out there. And that may be the same thing for you. Maybe you need to focus on national, even international customers and set up your business to where you're. You know, business model focuses on those people and reaches those people. You can still live in Shreveport or live wherever really you want to, but if you think your market isn't here, then run your business according to that.
0: A good example of, of that in a different vein is Moonbot Studios. You see, Moonbot, their their market is nowhere here. It's It's everywhere but here. But yet they have chosen to locate here, build what they do here, but they understand that they're selling elsewhere. They're they're LA or or, or you know, Silicon Valley or, or or whatever. We don't have to limit ourselves. A market is not a geographical area anymore. A market is a group of individuals or a group of potential customers or clients that we can effectively reach. Let's face it, you know, like uh, closed Facebook groups. Great, great opportunity to cultivate a tribe because you're you're limiting who can be in it, and it, it creates this prestige, if you will. And so, you know, if you had like Dr. Jack's closed Facebook group that that costs you you know five hundred dollars a year to be a part of, but you get one-on-one consultation, you know, that may be a route to go. So you can always expand your mind beyond it. Now, if you just simply don't like Shreveport, and you can go, you want to go, you can go, but at the same time, you don't have to limit yourself to the geographics of Shreveport to be successful. Molly's got a.
4: So, I have one Carly. You know, so I can appreciate that. I can I can set up a closed Facebook group, and I can and I can do that. And I even after everything I you know experienced this past week, that's where I, that's where I came to. I'm going to have you know I'm already in two other Facebook groups, so I'm going to create my own Facebook group. But the challenge comes into on the geographic side is. If what I'm promoting is medical and I have a license, I am limited from a geographical right. standpoint as to where I can practice, you know, because my license is limited to a state that I'm, I'm in. Correct. Then the question is, do I want to spend more money to go to another state to start all over again? So I can appreciate getting outside the geography, but I, you know, from a licensing standpoint,
0: I can't get, really get outside the state of Louisiana. True. But but the right one, you know, if, if, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting off the cuff and Jerry will talk us eventually. <laughs> But, you know, a MD who's an author who writes a book that resonates and then says, I have a clinic here, people will travel across the country to get to that person if they they are seen as the expert in the field. Everybody goes, not everybody, but where's the first place you think of when you hear cancer? MD Anderson down in, in Houston, and people flock there. If you have a child that's stricken with cancer, you know what do you think of? Regardless of ability to pay, you think of St. Jude, and people flock to Memphis to go there. So there is an opportunity to draw them in. It's just, do you have the right tribe? Do you have the right reason? Do you have the right engagement to make that happen?
1: I think these are all very good ideas and definitely an outside-of-the-box way of looking at it, but it's too soon to give up on Shreveport for you, and it's too soon for me. And let me say this, twofold. Number one, if you can't beat them, join them. So not everybody, let's face it, espouses Christian tenets. not everybody, and that's okay. It's a big wide world out there, but it doesn't mean that if you have a lot of Christians, Christian believers in your market, you can't rely on the verbiage and the Christian speak to get your message across. I am a seminarian. Very few people know that. I have a master of divinity, and I will tell you, there are no fewer than probably four or five dozen scripture verses that speak to the believer's responsibility. Now, granted, I'm couching this in the language of Christianity, that speak to your responsibility with your body. You have a responsibility. It is not yours in the Christian belief. It belongs to God. And you have a responsibility to be a steward of that. And that speaks directly to the kind of services and ideas and way of life and holistic living that you offer through your practice, Dr. Jack. Also, in this town, you can turn a corner and see a whole new network of people you've never met before. It is unbelievable. I've been here eight years and I was just in a room at Horseshoe River Dome the other night. I did not know a soul. Now, for those of you who know me, 1,200 people in a room and I can't run into one person I know. That is just unbelievable to me, but it's the truth. When I first got here, I started out in North Bossier. I was a stay-at-home mom in a small little house in Stockwell area, and I thought, okay, I'm never going to find my tribe. They're not here. They're certainly not trying to meet me at the mailbox. And, you know, with my crazy redheaded self, I think they might have been a little bit afraid. But... I had to get outside of my comfort zone and go into places where I wasn't necessarily comfortable, but go in and meet those people, have a big smile and a stack of business cards. And I think it's the same thing here. The person who's doing this marketing for you has got to shake it up. And the way to do that is to rely on people like us who know you and love you and can say, Hey, I know I can think of 10 people right now that subscribe to a holistic way of living and are in business. They need to be in your network. Mm -hmm. My chiropractor... A girl I know who does essential oils. These are pe- these are your people. So we need to talk. You need to branch out to your network. Get on email. Get on Facebook and say, hey, to all my friends, I'm looking for people who can complement the holistic way of life that I'm selling through my business, through my practice. Who do you know? And then start that conversation there. I think it'll do, do a world of good for you and your business.
0: I'd like to bring Jerry in to, to add one other thing. Look at your current customer base. and you, I know, you, do, I know you, you could probably count them on one or two hands, but Jerry, I want you to explain the idea of the raving fan, the person that you're currently doing business with, but you do it so well that they go tell your story.
2: Well, it's uh, exactly that. The raving fan is a concept of, uh, that I can develop my clients to a point with a great service, superior service, and uh, interaction relating to them, them to you and asking for help, asking ye shall receive, don't and you won't. And you want to make your your client base your salesperson. This book, Raving Fans, is a wonderful read. I've given it to clients, and I use it all the time. I want clients who are saying, your service is great. You do a fine job of taking care of us. You offer us stuff all the time. And I let them know that I need them to tell the story of Jerry and win-win.
0: All right.
3: I hope we I hope we helped you or at least shed some light on your problem, Doctor Jack. I appreciate you being the first one to come up here and stand in the firing line. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Molly. Who's next? Come on up.
5: My question is that I have a company that operates in a legal gray zone, and I know that there are lots of small businesses that open up in legal gray zones, like they don't get. Their employer identification numbers, right? They don't have their taxes in line. They don't file their taxes appropriately. So, at at what point does operating in that gray zone become a danger, and at at what point is it okay to to work inside of that area?
0: I would say in in this day and age, um, number one, day one, and and the reason I say that is because we all have to subscribe to a certain set of values. We have the core values that make us who we are, and if our core values are honesty, integrity, and doing business well. Then you know. Then you do. You cry, cross your T's. You dot your I's. You get your numbers right. I can speak to this a little bit. We just opened a business in Minden where we repair cell phones. And we repair uh, Apple um, computer products. Uh, we sell accessories. And I'll tell you, starting a new business is way harder than buying a business that exists. You buy a business that exists. You know, you're transferring assets. You may have to get a new federal tax ID, et cetera. But before I could ever even buy a building. Before I could ever go to a bank, before I could even you know address a vendor, I had to get all of these things in line, and it—I'll be honest with you—it was a pain in the rear. I mean, I would have just soon been in my house and said, "Hey, we'll fix you know we'll fix phones in the house and and keep it under the table," but I knew that that would come back to bite me at some point. So we we took the time. We we wanted to launch in September. We didn't launch until mid October. It, it really took some some effort to get all that, and things came out of the woodwork. I mean we started buying and selling phones and all of a sudden we we learned that that you have to there's certain criteria for instance if you buy a phone you cannot resell it for 30 days if you buy a phone, you have to have due diligence with the the person that you bought it from, their ID. They have to fill out a form. You have to keep that form in record for an extended period of time because of of fraud, because of of theft. You know, it's almost like owning a pawn shop. To the natural Joe, you know, you see the these Facebook groups, you see Craigslist, and people are buying and selling phones all the time. But as a business, the whole picture changes, and you have to understand that. Say, look, if I'm going to be a business, then then I have to think like a business. I have to do like a business. I have to be these criteria. Another thing to take into account, even if even if you don't subscribe to those values, you have a federal and state government that is struggling for money. Your tail gets caught, the fines will be astronomical because they're, they're going to come in and take whatever they want to take from you. Now, you could operate below the radar for a period of time, but let me tell you, you don't know who you're going to deal with that's going to end up ratting you out.
6: My name is Brooke with Bookkeeper Girl, and let me answer your question as far as that goes. I don't actually file... Taxes, but I do handle 1099s. I do help people keep their books on par from a bookkeeping standpoint and a tax standpoint If you aren't filing on A regular basis and if you aren't keeping up with your books Forget about the legal ramifications because that's gonna bite you in the butt and your business is done anyway but on a personal note, how much can you afford to pay somebody to come in behind you and clean up your mess Because that's where it's going to really bite you in the butt. I can't tell you how many times I've come upon a client and they're like, okay, so I've been doing my own books for about, oh, two years. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just kind of threw it all in there. And it's a nightmare. It's it's a long, drawn-out process to try and get it all sorted out. Or the ever-popular, well, I use my personal account for business stuff sometimes, my business account for personal stuff sometimes. Nightmare. Those things are going to cost you monetarily and time because it takes time to go through all that and it's going to take your personal time because I don't know what this charge is to Wendy's because that could have been a business meeting or it could have been you were just going out to lunch with your son. So from a financial standpoint, it's best to get that done as soon as possible because it will cost you less in the long run than to have somebody have to come behind you and have to clean up the mess. Was that helpful? Very intense. So <laughs> uh, I think, I think the thing is to
3: keep in mind is that you can operate in a, in a legal gray zone because laws are fluid. Laws mm-hmm. change. What's legal today might be illegal tomorrow and vice versa. The thing is, is that you just, like Dave said, you need to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed because if you're doing what you're doing in, in the legal sense within that gray zone, it's, it's, you're covering your butt. But if you were have bad business practices, bad business practices are bad business practices.
6: And just another point, um also the IRS, as soon as your numbers change when you file your personal taxes, I have personally been audited twice in the past two years. Oh, it's fun. It is fun. It's so much fun. I can't even describe to you the levels of fun. But my all my eyes were dotted, all my T's were crossed, my stuff was in order. But our situation changed. So our, our income looks significantly different than it had in years past. They hold your money too. So the the more neatly you have your stuff organized, the faster they'll get out of your face, and you'll get your money.
0: And and this is really a, a an ongoing issue for home based or businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, because you don't have time, and it's easier just to keep the one checkbook, or it's easier just to to do and go and and, and whatever else. And. I do the books for my for my church and you know, even even crossing the T's and dotting the I's you still get the hairy eyeball every once in a while from the IRS. So if they're looking at the people who do it all above board, the people who are in that gray, man, I would feel for them. So, you know, it's certainly your choice, but understand that there's a there's a potential risk involved.
5: Yeah, so day one was like so day so negative day ten before you even launch, you should be
0: Oh yeah, the 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 accounting of it is really step 1.
5: So uh that was a sort of general question, it's a very short specific question. The business I'm talking about is drone services in the mm-hmm. region and the thing is that the FAA says no commercial drones anyway. If you're making money with it, you shouldn't be you can't do it. But the thing is is that they're not enforcing their own rules and they're relying on police officers who look at it and go they're not doing anything wrong, we're not going to enforce it. So the regulatory agency is saying no commercial flights, but first off they don't have the legal authority to make that law. I mean, they do, but they haven't made a law. They've just given it high, like a very weighty suggestion. And they've tried finding people, but it hasn't stuck. The courts threw it out. So as a business, and, and just in your opinion, what should I do? Should I try to continue offering, bringing these services in that area? And, and there are thousands of companies in the country, the U.S. that do that, just in, in sort of defiance of the FAA's rules. But they all know that at any moment, the FAA can decide, well, now you're under investigation. And you have to stop because the police are going to follow up on what we suggest. So as a business owner, what, what would you do in that situation? What are the
0: potential penalties? Yeah. Can the, you afford it?
5: The, well, kind of. The average penalty is $10,000. But the thing is, is they can't make it stick. The courts have thrown out twice these attempted penalties and they haven't changed any laws or rules yet. The bigger problem is that once you're on their list, there's no, you know, you're, you're going to have, you're, I imagine it'll be a harder time getting certified once the rules come out. But I mean, the rules are scheduled to come out in 2017 and the whole world is commercially flying drones right now. And any pilot anywhere in the world can fly anywhere else in the world because of cell phones. So there's a big risk in not getting to be the expert in the region because the guys who are in India and China right now can just open up shop day one that the rules come out and put everyone else to shame because we haven't had a chance to even try flying.
0: I would I would say, and, and and I don't mean for this to sound a little bit like a cop out, even though it does. It's kind of above the pay grade of so, somebody like myself. I, I would go to somebody who's dealt with the FFA as a lawyer or advocate of some sort. Get in their office, explain your situation, and and let them look at the precedent. Let them look at the case history and say, okay, here we go. You're, it may cost you this. If if you want to do it, it's up to you because you're your own person. But this is this is the potential pitfalls. Or let's see if we can force the issue. Let's see if we can get an advocacy group together to speed up the process of getting these rules you know established but you know simply asking a group of business people you know hey should i should i defy the federal government and and what i do even though this is stupid a lot of us say yeah go for it yeah you know you know take it to the man but But at the end of the day but it's not my money right it's your money And, And and
3: you might want to just even do just to start off with just do a risk assessment say you know, I know the finest ten thousand dollars can I afford that. And if you can, and you're okay with that, and you're okay with the fallout, uh, and you're you're optimistic that in 2017 everything will work out to your advantage, then you make then you take that risk, but it's on you.
0: And understand that the, the you know this is the reason why there are lawyers in the world. <laughs> they can look at all the angles that we forget. I remember when I was um I'm, I'm in the middle of a remodel process at, at a house that I bought in, in Minden and all the things that I forget. Make me realize why it's important to have a contractor when you're building your house. The 18,000 trips to Lowe's that are taking place would have not been there because that's why a contractor does what a contractor does, is because they have the education, they have the experience, they understand, they are an expert in their field. And if you can find an expert in the field of aviation litigation, then that's where I would go.
3: And Jill has a comment.
6: I'm in video production, so this is also very topically relevant for me too, and um I do think some changes have been enacted in the last month or two. It might have been with very specific types, uh, models of drones. And um, filmmakers seem to be having success filing for uh, permits. So it may be a matter of if you know where you want to fly commercially, uh, going to whoever controls the airspace and uh, requesting a permit for flight.
5: That that is true. What, What they call sanitary flight zones, like places that you can cordon off, they've given leave to fly. Also, like CNN and some other news agencies have... exemptions to fly. Mm -hmm. Those are all very expensive to acquire. The the biggest problem I have with with the situation that the FAA has a rule that says no commercial flying, but that's really just like one of those rules that's like, make sure your blinker's on when you're turning. It's a way to get dangerous people off because obviously they broke a rule, but if you're flying safely, they don't come and bother you about it. So the only people who get in trouble are the people who do things that are considered dangerous, like, flying over a crowd of people without telling them, hey, we're going to be filming here. And then they get buzzed by a drum. That's terrifying. You've never had that happen to you before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I actually had a chance to chase a news anchor once because he wanted me to do that. And he was—he said he, it was the most harrowing experience of his life. be—you know, It was like Terminator for him. <laughs> was his, so,
0: um, Well, so. I understand you are in the infancy of an industry. Yeah. And so it's like when the internet first became a thing, and everybody just freaked and they kept trying to regulate this and regulate that, and you may just have to ride out the storm and take your chances if you if that's your choice and and, and work your way through it until everybody figures things out see the, the the problem with the world today is anytime something happens, politicians get involved and when politicians get involved, the horse becomes a camel. eventually, over time. Reformists come in, or smart people come in, and say, "No, you need to get rid of that hump. You need to get rid of, you know." And they eventually get the the camel back to some form of a horse. May not be the horse that they they wanted in the beginning, but they get it back to something. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen with commercial drones is that they're going to swing that pendulum so far to where they're overregulated, and slowly but surely they'll, they'll they'll get a little sense about them. And you may just have to ride out that storm. Well, there you have it, part one of our Q and A live podcast at Cohab. Join us next week for part two, and uh, there's even greater feedback, a whole lot of engagement, and hopefully uh, information that will help you and your business grow. That will do it for this episode of the Biz Tools podcast. We hope you found the information today useful for your business. If you have any questions, please post them in the comments section of the show notes. We'll do our best to answer them. Also, in the show notes for these two episodes, there will be contact information for the attendees from the Biz Breakfast. You'll learn a little bit more about them, their business, and where they come from. It be, should be a great time, a great opportunity to you for you to get more information. The show notes for this and all of our episodes are available at biztoolspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. In addition, learn more about The Biz and what we can do for your business at thebiztools.com. We'd also love for you to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher so that more people will know about it. We really would appreciate the feedback. Until next time, remember, applied knowledge is power. Be the leader you are always meant to be.